So this past week, I had the opportunity to, to go back home uh, to, to Indiana, and I was sitting around with a, a bunch of just kind of country pastors, and then they told me a, a story that, that I thought would be kind of humorous uh, to share at the timing of it being Easter. Uh, it's a story of this grandfather, and he wanted to see how much his four-year-old granddaughter knew about the Easter story. And so the grandpa, you know, proudly, you know, put her on his lap and said, honey, go ahead and tell him. Tell him why we celebrate Easter. Without hesitation, she said, well, Jesus was crucified, and, and after he died, they put his, his body into a grave, and the grandpa was just, you know, smiling ear to ear. He was so proud. This is remarkable. And uh, she continued on and said, they rolled a big stone in front of the opening, and, and they put a bunch of soldiers to guard the tomb, and then on the third day, there was a big earthquake, and then the stone rolled away. And, and you can imagine the grandpa, you know, he is just impressed with how much his granddaughter knows about the Easter story. But to his dismay, like she continued on and on. And she said, and then when the earthquake happened, the entire town came out by the grave because they knew if, if Jesus came out and saw his shadow, there'd be six more months of winter. You know, and, you know, at least she got uh, you know, part of the story, right? You know, the grandpa thought. And, and I thought that was a pretty funny story. And, and, I, and I bring it up today because I believe that at any given church on Easter weekend, uh, you're going to have different groups of people representing differing familiarity with the reason we celebrate Easter, and even a variety of different responses to it. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus lived a pure and holy life, yet was nailed to a cross for these crimes that he never committed. And on that dark day, just outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus said at that time his final three words, It is finished. It is finished. And with those words, Jesus let the world know that the entire reason for him being born into our world was accomplished. It was completed. Jesus died for our imperfections. He took the punishment that we deserve so we could have forgiveness. And the thing about Jesus' death is that nobody really argues that Jesus died. Non-believing pagan historians, all the way to the most religious individuals, people for 2,000 years, all across the board have agreed that Jesus was a real person who faced a very real death. Jesus was then buried in a tomb sealed by a large stone to ensure that, that, that nothing could get in. And I don't think it ever crossed their mind that that stone may keep somebody from getting out. In 2,000 years ago in that tomb, Jesus is dead. And what happens three days later, what happens with what we are gathering to celebrate I think is where we start to divide up just a little bit. People have varying strong opinions. They don't doubt that Jesus died, but could he conquer death? That's where I think we all come from different thoughts and backgrounds. You know, some wonder, did the power of God seriously really raise Jesus from the dead? Did that really happen? Well, if so, that means when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that after this momentary life, we will have eternal life. And I want you to know if that's what you believe, that Jesus conquered death and you are wrong, I suppose you're never going to actually know it. You will just breathe your last breath and that will be that. You will never know you were wrong about faith. But did something else happen? Maybe Jesus didn't conquer death, right? Maybe he wasn't raised to, raised to life. Uh, maybe it was just the clever work of, of grave robbers, right? They got to his body in the middle of the night. Or maybe also in the middle of the night, maybe his, his crazed followers, they went and they stole his body so they didn't have to give up the hype of his movement. Maybe his body is still buried somewhere in the unexcavated world because they're still finding a lot of stuff over there. 
Now, if any of this is the case, then I suppose everything we're doing today is just smoke and mirrors. We'll just breathe our last breath and that will be that. And if that's what we believe, that the resurrection never actually happened and we're wrong, boy, are we going to know it. I'd say there's a lot riding on what we think of this Easter story. And maybe you'd be surprised to know that even the characters within the biblical story of Easter, they had mixed reactions to this idea that Jesus could actually be raised from the dead, that he could actually conquer death. There's always been, for thousands of years, a wide opinion of of thought regarding the resurrection, even from those who knew him best. So let's take a look at, at the book of John, written by a man named John. John tells us, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, who, she was just this woman who had spent a significant amount of time following Jesus. Mary came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. So who is this other disciple that Jesus loved? Well, it's actually John who is the one writing these words. He, he literally calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. That's hilarious. Then she, Mary, said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So this is the first ever response to Jesus conquering death. Not faith, but disbelief. And and even further, it comes from Mary, who spent a significant amount of time around Jesus being taught by him. If anyone would believe, surely it would be someone like her. But surprisingly, that just wasn't the case. So let's continue on in John. He writes, Peter and the other disciples, he's talking about himself, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that John is so petty that he just takes the time for thousands of years to make sure we know, hey, I could beat Peter in a foot race. All right? This is the Holy Bible, everybody, right? He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. And he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple had reached the tomb first, he can't stop telling us about the foot race, Uh, also went in. And he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So Jesus had told his disciples many times that he was going to conquer death. He would be raised from the dead, but they just couldn't wrap their minds around it. But Mary is still there at the tomb in disbelief. And Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. The dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She still doesn't believe. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out what she would have called him, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. And then Jesus gives her these instructions. He says, go find my brothers. So he's saying, go find my disciples, go find my followers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
And so Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. So this is the Easter story. This is what we gather over. That Jesus was buried and three days later he rose from the dead. He defeated death and he appeared to an initially disbelieving Mary. And he said, Mary, I want you to go and tell the rest of the disciples. Now, I've had my fair share of critics who know where I stand with Jesus tell me, well, Josh, the Bible's just structured in such a way because it's trying to cleverly persuade you to believing all of that stuff is true. But when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible isn't trying to cleverly convince you that something is true. It's not trying to persuade you. It's giving you and I the opportunity to believe something that has the power to change our lives. You see, in the first century culture, if you wanted people to believe something that was just utterly unbelievable, you wouldn't involve a woman. Uh, Women were were not considered credible sources during Jesus' day and age. So if you wanted people to believe something that just didn't seem plausible, you would have sent a man of status. But Jesus is different. He championed equality well before the rest of the world finally started to catch up. And he sent Mary out to invite others to believe something that had the power to change their life. And so John tells us that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders because it was the Jewish leaders who put their leader, Jesus, to death. So there the disciples are three days after Jesus died, just living in complete fear. Now, you can imagine if you and I were clinging to this fact that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the savior of the world, and and we watch as our leader gets put to death like a common criminal, three days later, he's still dead. I, I think at that point, you and I would start to have a lot of doubt that Jesus was who he said he was. We'd be doing, I think, what the people closest to him did, the, the disciples, they they locked themselves behind closed doors, they doubted, they scattered, and now they're afraid, they're hiding. Now, if your leader could conquer death, if you really believe that, then you don't hide away afraid of death. You wouldn't be scared of anything if your leader could conquer death. But yet they doubted, and I don't blame them because I I honestly tell you, I would be doing the exact same thing. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Now, if I put myself in, in their shoes and, you know, in modern day and, and my leader has just died, three, everything I put my life towards and my leader died, just like a common criminal in a common punishment. And, and he's dead for, for, for three days and I'm sitting there behind locked doors and I'm just, I'm crying all over my Chick-fil-A. I'm pouring Polynesian sauce all over it. I'm just sad eating. It's ugly, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears before me. I'm going to believe. I'd have no doubt believing he was risen because he would be in front of me, right? And I have no doubt that even those of us who, who gather here on Easter or watching online, and it's because we have to. We don't really want to be here. We're here just to appease somebody else. We, we think this is all just garbage, baloney, smoke and mirrors. I think even those of us who doubt the most, if Jesus actually appeared before us, we would believe. If I brought Jesus out here 2,000 years later and I paraded him up and down the aisles and, and you got to see the wounds in his hand and his side, I bet those of us who even doubted Easter the most would start to believe. And we would believe simply because we saw it with our own eyes. 
And so it's no wonder that Jesus' disciples, those same ones who were afraid, would, would later go out, just weeks later, go out and start going across the Middle East, willingly risking their lives for this thing called Christianity. And the only difference between them risking their lives and them being afraid of their lives was the fact that they saw the, the resurrection of Jesus for themselves. And they eventually lost their lives in brutal ways, simply because they could not stop telling people about Jesus. They knew now for a fact that Jesus conquered death. So there's no reason to hide away or be afraid of death. They weren't scared of anything anymore. The resurrection changed everything for them. And that's what the resurrection still does. It changes everything. Jesus' resurrection changes everything if you let it. Once you truly believe by faith, it changes everything about your life right now, how you perceive your death and all the chapters in between. How could something supernatural not just rearrange it all? So John continues and says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, because apparently they couldn't tell him apart from his, his brother, uh, was not with the others when Jesus came. And so they told him, we have seen the Lord, right? Out of their excitement, they're probably fanatical. They, they run to find Thomas and they're like, we're going to tell him that Jesus is alive. And I bet they thought there's no way Thomas is going to believe this. And they were right. And Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I won't believe it until I put my fingers in them. I won't believe it until I place my hand into the wound in his side. Yeah, there's some people who believe in the resurrection, but Thomas isn't going to be one of them unless he has this evidence, unless he has this proof. Thomas is where I think a lot of us are right now with all of this. I won't see it until I believe it. If you want me to believe that Jesus could conquer death, that the resurrection is true, that the reason behind Easter is actually real, if you want me to believe that Jesus is alive, then I'm not just going to take other people's opinion about it, no matter how excited or fanatical they are. If you want me to believe that Jesus is alive, then I'm going to have to experience it for myself. And what I love about the Easter story is it is filled with doubters who live in disbelief before experiencing otherwise. And Thomas would get his chance. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And, and this is very subtle. This isn't going to change your life. But, but, but I, I was reading this this week. And something that jumped out to me is that the disciples, they believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is alive. They've seen it with their own eyes. But they didn't kick Thomas to the curb for believing otherwise. Thomas is still welcome among the believers, even though he lives at that moment in disbelief. And that's the way it should be. The churches should be a safe place for, for the doubters in life to experience Jesus personally, even through their disbelief, and not just take a believer's word for it. Then in verse 26, once again, the doors were locked. I'm guessing this time it was Thomas. Uh, but suddenly, as before, uh, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And after a, a, a long stretch of time where Thomas was just swimming through disbelief, he probably thought it would never change. Thomas now has this chance to believe. He has this day that changes everything. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Yet again, the biblical Easter story where another doubter of the resurrection turned believer once they are able to experience Jesus for themselves, and that's the way it's always going to work.
Then lastly, in our text today, Jesus has something that should thoroughly shake up how we entertain our faith or lack thereof in the resurrection. What Jesus says next should transform what we think we need as proof that he really is alive. Jesus tells Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You believe because you've seen me, but but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Jesus takes this moment in time with Thomas to really speak to what we're going to experience in our moment in this life. And he says, yeah, you believe because your eyes can see me. You believe because I'm standing here right in front of you. You believe because how could you not? I'm right here. This isn't faith. That's not why you're believing. This is fact. I'm right here. But Jesus says that people like you and I, we're going to be rewarded not because we see, but because we believe by faith. Now, is it harder to believe that Jesus conquered death and and what we're here celebrating actually happened without physically seeing him? Well, of course. I 100% agree with that. But the way in which I think we naturally want to believe is not what's going to remove us from doubt. It's not going to be a fact. Jesus says there are bigger blessings for people like you and I when we choose to believe through faith. Now, before I began going to church, before I put my faith in Jesus, I thought that Christians were just kind of born with this belief that Jesus conquered death, right? Like they just came out of the womb, uh, oddly wired to believe the unbelievable, and the rest of us were just constructed so differently. Uh, Maybe we were constructed more pessimistically, more realistically, but that just isn't the case. I love that the real biblical Easter story is full of people like Mary, full of people like the disciples, full of people like Thomas, full of people just like you and I who naturally defaulted to disbelief. And what led them to faith was not facts. And what will lead us to faith in Jesus, faith in his resurrection, it's going to be faith. Philip Yancey once said this, faith is believing in advance in something that will only seem logical When seen in reverse, faith is believing in advance in something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. And the biblical book of Hebrews puts it this way. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's not fact, it's faith. We hope it's true. And there's going to be this evidence of the things like the resurrection, like its power. It's going to be evident even though we can't always see it. And the evidence of Jesus Christ conquering death is everywhere if we're looking for it. Now, I know that people go to church for a lot of different reasons. You probably came in here with your own reasons. Some this is a get to, some it's a have to. Some come to church out of inspiration. Others come out of desperation. When I was 18 years old and I first started going to church, I 100% went through obligation. Um, I tell you what, like when I was getting my seat, I'm like, I was smart about it. I'm like, we're going to get right here at the end row. Um, it's going to be, you know, towards the back, but not so far in the back. But as soon as that pastor says, let's pray, I am out those doors, right? And that's how I went to church initially, just out of obligation, thinking all of this is just garbage. And at that small country church in Indiana, I promise you, wasn't like something supernatural happened. Jesus didn't appear before me and say, Josh, look at my wounds. Will you now believe? That's not what led me to believe that Jesus really conquered death. I can't prove to you that he did. 
But the reason I believed what I read in Scripture, the reason I believed what I heard when people were talking about it, the reason I believed in Jesus' resurrection was because how well those people in that church loved me. Um, It was a love that felt better than any bender or high. There is nothing that could have changed my life, but the way those people loved me completely redirected my life. And, And I just knew, I knew down in my core that a love that has the power to change somebody like me, that type of love, that, that can only come from the power of Jesus. That same power that conquered death, that was all the evidence I needed. I knew in that moment the tomb was empty. I felt it, I believed it to my core. And I've seen the evidence elsewhere. In the name of Jesus, I've seen shattered relationships restored. I've seen people who... They've hurt one another so bad that there's no future, there's no hope. But when they give Jesus and his power a chance, that same power that conquered death, the same power that left that tomb empty, once they give that a chance, miracles happen, hope happens, mending happens, healing happens. And changes like that don't happen if Jesus is still dead. In the name of Jesus, I've seen people overcome addiction like you wouldn't believe. And those same people, you have to take my word for it, those same people who openly admit that they would still be depending on that vice. They say, I would still be high. I would still be drunk every night. I would depend on that lifestyle if Jesus was just an ordinary man. But I am changed because the tomb is empty. I've seen hope break through the most hopeless situation. I've seen the hardest of hearts softened. I've been in rooms where where people slip from this life to the next, and they do so confidently and expectantly. And that doesn't happen if Jesus was laid to rest just like everyone else. I've seen all around, by faith, the evidence that Jesus is alive. That's how I know the tomb is empty. And I I don't know your story like I know mine, but I do know that if Jesus has the power to conquer death, then he has the power to absolutely change your life. If Jesus boasts the type of power that that can reverse the finality that that, that death boasts, then he can absolutely change the direction of your life and give you victory with whatever you're struggling with. It doesn't matter. The Bible shows us it doesn't matter how how long you've not believed. It doesn't matter even if you've once believed but gave up long ago. The most significant evidence of the empty tomb that you will ever experience is giving Jesus the chance to show you that that same power he possessed to walk out of that grave is available to you in your life. So if Jesus overcame the circumstances, if he overcame death, all the odds stacked against him, then what could that power by faith mean for you in your life? I guess there's a whole lot, it seems, riding on what we think of this Easter story. But let me tell you, it's Easter The tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and the evidence is all around us if we want to see it. All it takes is just a little bit of faith. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for not just the love you show us, but the the power you give us. And I know a lot of us right now, we're we're going through these battles But yet you already have victory. If you have victory over death, which by faith we believe you do, I believe you do, then that power can change the course of our lives. It can break light into the darkest situations. God, I pray that none of us just just walk out of this room in, in just a few minutes thinking, well, that's it. We checked that box. We celebrated Easter. Let's not put Jesus back in the tomb on Monday. But allow that power to run through our life.
God, we know the evidence is everywhere. Give us the heart to be softened to it. Give us the eyes to see it. Give us the ears to hear the stories that prove that your power, the same power that conquered death is available in this world, is available to us in our lives. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.